Hi, welcome back to the She Invest podcast with your hosts. I am Allie Fugit. And I'm your host, Carrie Douglas. And we are She Invest. Uh, and today we have an extra special episode because someone that we are uh, very invested in, we love to have watched her story, and I'm super excited to talk to her about her journey today and um, all the things that she has dabbled in, um, and her and her husband. And so without further ado, I'll let Carrie introduce her. Yes. So today we're talking with Kim Menapace. Kim is a real estate investor, entrepreneurial, entrepreneur, and business professional, having worked in strategy and software development at tech companies in Boston for well over a decade. In 2019, she and her husband, Dave, purchased their first short-term rental, a tiny beach cottage in Cape Cod. That purchase led to the purchase of a second vacation home, several long-term rental investment properties, and the start of a successful Airbnb management company in 2022. Their management company, The Five Star Co-host, manages 20 properties in the New England and Chattanooga areas. They are featured in the Hospitable Hosts Volume 2 book and are contributing authors to the book, Creating a Life of Abundance, coming out this fall. So welcome, Kim. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here today. Yes. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, and I can't wait to like share your journey and your story with everybody. Um, I know that uh, we, we've spoken some and I've, I've talked to Dave a lot. And the first time we met was actually at the uh, Short Term Rental Conference in Nashville. So um, I just have loved to watch you guys and I can't wait to, you know, dive into it. So. Yeah, awesome. it's been a whirlwind. <laughs> so absolutely. Can we start out by asking you, how did you decide to get into real estate investing? Yeah, so this was kind of accidental that we got into real estate investing. We never saw ourselves as serious investors. We really thought our first property be, would be a one and done deal. So um, I'll back up a little bit and share. When I was growing up, one of my best friends from when I was 10 on, we're still friends today, her parents owned a beach cottage in Maine. And she told me, oh yeah, they bought this years ago. They We get to use it for the week of 4th of July. And then they rent it out the whole rest of the summer and it covers expenses. And I just thought that was super smart. I, it really resonated with me and stayed with me for a long time. So Fast forward to when Dave and I were dating, we would go vacation and crash at friends' houses um, who had family members who owned places in Cape Cod. And we said, why don't we try to buy our own place so that we're not paying other people to stay at their house and you know having more expensive vacations? Let's do the same um, formula to, so we can build equity and then also get to use it for ourselves for you know years and years to come. So our goal was to do that by 35. And... Um, I, when I was 30 years old, uh, you know, four and a half months pregnant with our son, I started browsing Zillow in the middle of February with all the snow around Boston. And I came across this house that said strong rental history right in the first line of the listing. And so we decided to go check it out on a you know snowy Saturday. I think there were seven inches of snow and a snowstorm coming that day. And I almost chickened out and said, Dave, we shouldn't go. This weather's bad. We have to drive an hour and a half in the storm. He's like, no, no, we're going to go. So we did go. And I loved it. And we got in the car after the open house, which was pretty quick since it is 500 square feet uh, or just under. And uh, he said, what do you think? And I said, I think we should go for it. 
I'm not the spontaneous one of the two of us. So this, he knew that I was serious if I said this. I'm usually the one that's critiquing and trying to figure out what's the downside of something. Um, and so we bought it and we closed on the first day of my third trimester with our son. So had three months before the baby was here to get it up and running. And even earlier was the rental season in Cape Cod. We closed at the very end of April. So we really wanted to get it turned around quickly so we could start getting bookings immediately. Just to, you know, help start building that cash flow. Awesome. Wow. wow. So exciting. So you did that when you were 30, not 35. So yes, you're, you're way ahead of schedule. I think they always say that people um, overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in five. Mm -hmm. um, so that was how long ago? That was four years ago now? Now it's, um, was it five years ago? So okay. yeah. Yeah. So then, um, Sorry, I'm like, I can't remember what how old I am now. But yes, it was, sorry, uh, my son just turned four. So four years ago, you're right. I can't okay. do math right now. <laughs> but yes, I, I think that that's a key point to make is I'm someone who likes to prepare for a long-term goal. I'm actually better at that. I did marathon running and stuff. So I wanted to start doing research now um, to help prepare for knowing when a good deal would come on the market and I could jump on it. And so did I, I never thought I'd see a house on Cape Cod for under 300 grand that had a lot of checked a lot of boxes that would be super appealing on Airbnb. So I think that's a good point to make. Yeah. We, we were surprised ourselves that we found a house that worked for and fit our criteria well before 35 and just the perfect storm happened where um, I work at a tech company in Boston and they IPO would and I was early at the company. And so I got some stocks from that. And so we just pretended we didn't have that money. We were just ignored it for a while. And then we had the right opportunity and said, let's switch gears and have it not be in stocks and let's go do this. Um, you just think real estate's a really smart investment from what we've seen. That's awesome. That's awesome. Very cool. And cool awesome. how you switched from, from stocks that you, you know, it was sort of like a windfall, right? Like, and then you switched it into this investment because you knew what that was what you wanted long-term. That's so great. Love it. Mm -hmm. Um, so you've shared with us um, a little bit prior to this episode about how real estate investing has impacted your lives. So can you share that with our audience and then tell us what are your next steps and future goals? Sure. So as I said at the beginning, I th we really thought this first house would be a one and done. And uh, we didn't know what we didn't know in terms of funding and investment properties and that you if you needed 20% down, you actually can get vacation or second home loans, vacation homes temper with 10% down. We didn't know that at the time. So um, we learned a lot over the next couple of years and read a lot of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad um, and listened to podcasts. And so we started learning more and saying, hey, we really want to do another vacation home eventually. So we started researching that. My husband also at the time um, was looking into burrs and out of state uh, investing. And that's how we ended up in Chattanooga when you heard that in our, our um, in my bio. So um, we, um, putting all these pieces together, Dave found himself really liking the day-to-day -day of real estate. And he was working in healthcare IT and consulting, and he just kept wanting to lean more and more into it. So he actually ended up becoming a real estate agent in the state of Massachusetts, um, and then had clients wanting to do short-term rentals with him. So that's how the management company got started. So, you know, he was doubling down on healthcare IT and consulting. He thought he wanted to be an IT director at a hospital a couple of years ago. Um, and then this totally 180'd his career and is really 
really, um, you know, you know, changed mine too, where I'm able to use strategy and, and all these other tools that I've gained from my, my day job and apply them to our management company and our short-term rentals. So for the future, I, I we're really leaning into our co-hosting company and really trying to build up the cash flow. We are in a tough spot where we just have a lot of um, expenses with two kids and full-time daycare uh, up here in Massachusetts. It's pretty expensive. It's $1,000 a week for our two kids in daycare. So um, we have that and a number of other expenses. So cash flow is king for us right now. And we're really doubling down on the management company being that vessel to help that. Um, and so long-term, I do see myself you know, leaning into that entrepreneurial side of myself and going full time into working for us and myself. Um, and I always had an inkling that that's where I'd go when I'd talk with friends a couple of years ago, I said, I don't think I'd ever go to another tech company after this. And I love my company that I work for. They treat me so well. I've been here over seven years now, but I just knew I'd have that itch. And I'd also want that freedom of time. Um, what, like you said, we all met at the the conference back in, in March and uh, I really want to be like Avery Carl and Kristen Shogren, who said that they are done with work at two or 3 p.m. and they are able to coach soccer and hang out with their kids when they're done with school instead of put them into an after school program because they still have a couple hours of work. And when I heard that, it really like hurt me a little bit, actually. I said, I want to have that um, when I have my kids in, you know, my kids are four and two, so they're not quite in kindergarten and elementary school yet, but that's the lifestyle I want. And I can't do that when I'm at a traditional nine to five job, like a majority of people. So I knew I'd have to carve my own path there. And beyond real estate, I think I will always do some sort of real estate investing. Uh, we want to grow our personal vacation houses that we own, grow the management company, and maybe do even more in there. I've never done construction or gigantic rehabs. And I'd love to dabble in those. But I also see the skills that I'm learning and building on at my day job and in our co-hosting company, having to train employees and have SOPs and, and structure and, and all that um, and marketing. I want to apply that to non-real estate businesses. Um, I'm not sure if either of you listened to Cody Sanchez. She's been on Bigger Pockets and a number of other um, uh, podcasts, but she talks about boring businesses and laundromats and landscaping companies <laughs> and how they can be very lucrative, actually. So I, I said I could see myself dabbling in totally di completely different businesses, but applying the skills that I've learned from uh, real estate and hospitality to those businesses. Yeah. yeah uh, so funny that you say that, Kim, because, um, you know, we, we've doubled in like uh, a couple different ventures. And um, now I'm like super stoked on something that we've never been a part of after speaking to one of our previous guests on the show. And that's like student housing. And I'm like, I'm like now like, like didn't realize how much of an impact it can make because like how cash flowing it is from the beginning until like we had that episode with her and then I took it back to Kyle and we're like looking at things and running numbers. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, is this the next Avenue? And so um, I love, I love that. Like just, but I think that leads me to like another question I'd love to ask you is like how not just how like this has impacted your life, but also you've talked a little bit about time and financial freedom. Um, but what has it done for like the freedom to choose the friendships that you're involved in and those in those types of communities? So like how has that part been impacted? Oh, man, uh, th this is a great question because I, I still struggle with that because I think 
my near and dear friends I've had for years and years aren't doing this. I don't think, I can't recall one that has a a vacation home or a long-term rental or anything like that. So I found my support system and and network is really a lot of people virtually through the mastermind, through connections I've had at at conferences. Uh, I have um, a great accountability group that I I touch base with every Thursday afternoon um, and just catch up on what's going on in our lives. What challenges do we have? And I think that that's been really nice to have. And I'm relying on that to be my my community that gets this a bit more. And I think there are people that are curious and want to hear about real estate investing, short-term rentals, and on that this entrepreneurship. And there's other people that they don't want to hear about it at all. And we just talk about girl talk and, and kids and motherhood and all those challenges instead. And I like having both camps, but it can make you feel lonely. And I think it can be hard when your physical interactions and seeing people face to face is really these um, few key events across the year. And those are just awesome. And you're on, you know, turbocharged and you're, I'm an introvert. So I get a little drained, but I'm also energized by it. So I think that it is hard to be in both camps. And I think that you just naturally find that your, your time and energy into communication and relationship stuff just shifts a little bit. And I think uh, my most important part of my life is my family and my family time. So I have, I try to have very strict boundaries with my day job. I'm done at this time. I switch gears and then it's all about the kids until they go to bed. And so um, I think that that's been helpful uh, for me. And so there's, when you try to fit in maintaining and building relationships, there's just other things that are taking priority. And so I try to be very intentional with um, how I, where I put the energy and how much energy I put into those. But um, I've, I've really found these virtual communities and uh, these masterminds and, and conferences really helpful to help build those connections and then try to maintain them outside of them. Yeah, that's awesome. that's, that's yeah. I feel yeah. the same way. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited because I think I'm going to meet you in November. That's correct. That'll be really great to meet you in person finally. Um, So you've talked a little bit about different property classes that you've explored. You've done some burrs. Um, You've talked about boring businesses, which I love that you brought that up because um, that's such a great, it's such a great um, philosophy too. And I'm, I'm about to dive into listening to some of that podcast. I haven't started yet. Um, But why did you guys choose short-term rentals, you know, when you decided like, okay, you have your vacation property, you, you decided you're going to do a second property. Why did you choose to continue in short-term rentals rather than some other type of real estate investment? I think they're more fun and a little more glamorous and a little bit more uh, exciting to talk about. And I think that we do like the personal use combination with it being an investment property. And we did a, a lot of research on long-term rentals and burrs before we dabbled in any of that. So long before I d- thought I'd go into any real estate investing, uh, I was reading books on um, on long-term rental and property management and, and maintenance of these. And I never even thought as a homeowner, oh, I should put 15% of way of my income towards uh, an emergency fund for the house or to replace the roof or this or that. And they talk about that in long-term rentals. And I just thought those were good business, pra- good practices to just know and have for even being a, a primary homeowner. And so um, I think that through education and then just things that made sense and clicked better, I've been in 
uh, service industries, hospitality for a long time. And so I think I felt like I could really deliver and be uh, a, a good host for guests. And then also the cash flow is so much higher. It was never super sexy to me to have a long-term rental, get a couple hundred dollars of cash flow, then had the HVAC system blow out. And then you've just lost all of your, your income for the year. I did talk to property managers actually uh, for uh, in Massachusetts, um, some in Framingham, which is not, you know, outside of Boston, but I think a kind of an up and coming area. And I was asking them tons of questions about multifamilies and how the, how much of a fee they take and all this. And it was interesting. She was saying it really is like an insider's club where the big players are all selling all their multifamilies to each other and offloading them. So you got to get in in on that uh, in order to get into that network. And so I just think doing a ton of exploration and research is how I attack anything. And so uh, through process of elimination and having that experience growing up and, and witnessing what a smart investment uh, personally and financially that was for my friend's parents, I thought this is the one that I, I really want to do and hang my hat on. And our, our kids love going to our houses. Our son calls it uh, the our house in Cape Cod, Logan's Beach House. And then up, <gasps> up in Maine, we called the house Logan's Lodge after him. So he, And then he, the primary house is also Logan's Blue House. So he thinks he owns oh. all three houses. Uh, so our poor daughter, she's too young to be aware that he's claiming ownership of everything. So we'll have to start naming things for her and, and balance it out a bit. But uh, he loves the hot tub and sledding on the hill up at our house in Maine. And then at the beach house, it's all walking distance to breakfast, lunch, dinner, ice cream. He can ride his bike. There's some older kids that we know the parents of, and he just thinks they're the coolest thing ever. And he loves going down walking distance to the beach. So it's been really fun to see that. And with how hard we're working, this is a seven day a week job right now. Um, it's so rewarding to get those snippets of, of um, validating feedback and know that we're only just beginning. And by the time he's 18 or 30, it's just this, this, um, this, world we're building is going to just be out of this world with um, how we're trying to compound our, our knowledge and um, our smart, smart business moves and, and uh, investments there. Awesome. Yeah. That's so great. I love it. Yeah. Love I, I love that you guys like are allow, allowing them to be so involved too and like including them because I've found in my experience too, it, um, it really does make a difference for the kids as well as the parents. Like you said, like for you, it's very rewarding, like seeing him and, and having the validity behind him, you know, enjoying the space. But for me, I think for them too, uh, like my daughter, she's invested. She goes to the property. She works. She does like when we're there, she wants to help and do things. And so like, having her take some action in that is I think well it's just gonna go far right like you said later on all of that empire that you've built but having him be a part of it from the beginning is just it's gonna go far yeah and on that point when we do little maintenance things there our son and daughter are watching us like a hawk they want to be involved my daughter when we were at our beach house just a couple of weeks ago, she took these beautiful ceramic coasters I got as a gift years ago, dropped them right on a bathroom tile and cracked it and shattered it. So my husband had, a, Dave had to go and re, you know repair it. And he was cutting the tile to the right size out on the deck and she was helping him and, and watching him. And she's not even two. And I, our son, the same thing. I think like, uh, a bl some blinds had broken and I have photos of him helping daddy reinstall them. And even making Wi-Fi signs, we use day five. So I guess have to give their email to log in uh, 
to the the internet at all our properties. And our son, my son saw me making all the frames and printing out the colored paper and cutting them. And he wanted to help and he wouldn't go to bed till all of them were done. So it's just so fun. They really absorb so much. And, um, Ed Milet, someone I really admire and follow a lot of his podcast, and he says, lessons are caught, not taught. And I think that I sometimes underestimate uh, their ability to understand this stuff and, and uh, to to be able to help in any in some ways. And you know, just they're, they impress me every day because they just, they have more way more capabilities than I realize, especially my son at four now. He just is um, totally blowing my mind every day with what he's capable of. I yeah, love and that. they're just Lots little sponges. Yeah. Lessons are caught, not taught. I think that's like, I'm going to write that down. I <laughs> love that. Yeah. Love um, so I'm going to ask you my favorite question. Um, how often do you look at and track your personal financial statement? What metrics are you tracking? And how do you know if you're being successful? And honesty is okay here. I think none of us do it as often as we wish we did. But tell us about what you what you track and how you track it. I know this is a good place to make keep me honest. So, um, admittedly, I'm not doing as great a job more macro. I think that um, the day to day uh, in the business, we are looking weekly at how we're performing, how what how much co-host management fee are we getting, rev, top line revenue, how much are we revenue are we getting against the house from what we expect and how the market should be doing. So that I'm looking at hype with a uh, fine tooth and comb because that is my ticket to unlocking a lot of other steps in our financial plan. Um, so there's a series of milestones I have that uh, debt pay down or um, uh, emergency fund building and all that stuff. So uh, we need to get the management and the cash flow from the management company to a really good place to help unlock a lot of those steps that we see as part of a pivotal for our financial journey. So not as good much as I should. I do have the Mint app with your net worth uh, and tracking that. And then I'm always keeping an eye on my credit score um, to make sure in case we ever do need, we find a great deal and we have someone who wants to partner with us financially and all that we we can um you know jump on it if we want to but um i'm not doing as good of a job as i should on this but i because i'm focusing so much on the tactical uh and i i don't like that i'm someone who used to track this stuff so much closer but i think given just time and, and um and priorities with making sure I do a good job at my day job, making sure I'm super present with my kids anytime they're home, uh, you know, on the bookends of daycare um, and being home all weekend. I try to not um, do too, too much work while they're awake. And then when you throw in self-care time, there's little time for that. So I'm actually in the process of trying to figure out the who's to do all this stuff. So I'm not trying to figure out how I squeeze this in or burn the candle on both ends. So actively trying to lean on my virtual assistants to help with, um, the bookkeeping, leaning on my CPA who can do scrubbing for that stuff so we can get a little bit of better picture just directly in QuickBooks and some other places. But yeah, I'm not doing as good of a job as I want on this, but I have in my head and in spreadsheets a list of what I, you know, what those milestones are, how many properties we would need, how many, what the management fee would be, have to be coming in to make sure we can unlock a lot of doors. And we're on track and doing great with that. So we're really going heads down and grinding uh, to get to that place. Yeah. And I think tracking cash flow is still part of your personal financial statement, right? Like if we think about this idea that we eventually want to have a certain amount of passive income to offset expenses, et cetera, like you do have to know 
what your cash flow looks like. So I think I think that's a great answer. And um, there are times when I've done the reverse, where I've spent so much time looking at the big picture that maybe I haven't been looking at the details of you know how much did I actually cash flow this month, and then I get two months down the road and look back and I'm like, oh we weren't really profitable because I was busy looking at the big picture and what's the next power move and not maybe remembering that still tracking the day to day is still really important. So I think, I think it's good to highlight both. Yeah. And I think I'm trying to be big on visualization and, um, those big picture goals and, um, and not just money wise or numbers, but also tangible ways I want to be living, like being done by 2 p.m. and picking my son up and bringing him to soccer class or coaching soccer. Or, um, I, you know, there's things like I envision bringing my daughter on like a weekend trip to Paris just because we can and want to. And there, I have all these uh, running list of those types of things that financial freedom and time freedom can allow me. And so I'm trying so hard to do those visualization exercises that uh, Mike in our mastermind has talked about, that Stacey St. John has talked about, uh, that all these uh, people that I admire have have noted as being pivotal for some some really successful outcomes and people, uh, really successful people that we all know from history books and stuff have done. And so I think because I'm focusing on that and um, that abundance mindset, like I, we talked about in the bio that, um, that we're really trying to lean in on, I think continuing to focus on that and not get too wrapped around the axle on Ooh, we overspent a little bit too much here or there. Like, you know, if you're aiming for a really high target, uh, those little details won't matter as much. I think they're still important and should really run a tight ship. But I think that when I have five minutes to spare, I try to have it be reflection, journaling, envisioning, and thinking big picture what my goals are and, and trying to make those tangible. Because they say your mind doesn't really know the difference between um, – between it being real or not, if you visualize it so vividly that it feels real to your mind, it'll help you um, bring it to actualization and really achieve it. So that's what I'm, when I do have time, I'm envisioning that and the tangible lifestyle moments that I can picture when we hit those numbers. Yes, you're exactly right. That's so awesome. I agree yeah. with you 100%. Me too. And I love that. Um, so what, now that we've like heard like your journey, Kim, what could you share with the audience that you would have done differently knowing what you know today? Oh man, I think um, if someone were thinking of getting into short-term rentals, I think that I would want to look at properties that would make 20 or 30% um, return, you know, cash on cash return. I think that we are achieving the results we wanted and expected, but we are, uh, especially Cape Cod is a very expensive market. So our goal was to cover expenses and we do that. And when we make money, we try to reinvest it in the property and, and have it become a nicer asset so we can enjoy it ourselves. And then also for the equity play and then for the guests and being able to give a better experience and then charge a little bit more for that better experience. So I think if I were starting out from scratch today, I would run a ton of deals and look really closely and really try to find those diamonds in the rough and that people talk about. And I know Bill Faith has talked about finding his retirement home in Montana. And I think he did 54 pro formos before he found the right property that he could do that with. And I think uh, I, I, I that's something I would do, but I also don't 
regret anything that we did because if we sat on the sidelines and overanalyzed and did analysis paralysis for years until the right moment, we wouldn't be where we are today four years later either. So I think action always trumps, <laughs> um, you know, thinking about doing something and talking about doing something, but ever not, not, not doing it. And I think there's a balance of doing a bit of research, but then diving in and learning. So Dave, my husband uh, will do a lot of um, coaching and, and kind of consulting and guidance for people and they'll bring a, a small kind of apartment to him and say, hey, should I co-host this? And I'll always say to Dave, they should because they're going to learn rather than sitting around and not getting their first co-host deal for another two months. They could learn a lot and that property could help be a stepping stone to more just like we've had those moments in our business. Um, our mountain house is tough. It, the expenses are really high and it's hitting the revenue numbers we projected, but our performa, pro forma was off on the expenses and it was way higher than we ever thought for electricity and, and things like that. Last winter, we had elect electric bills that were almost $900. It's insane. So that's something that you just can't, even being super conservative, you just can't predict some of that stuff sometimes. So um, I think that we say that that's a stepping stone. We've got a ton of co-hosting deals in that market because we know it so well. We've started building rapports with all the key people there. Um, so I said, we might 1031 exchange that, you know, how selling that house into something else. And it might be that bigger Cape Cod house that we're going to stay at the whole summer instead of our 500 square foot house. So I, I think that though I don't regret that, but if I were brand new starting out from scratch, I would look really closely and try to find those deals because they do exist. I've seen them. Um, it's just, you got to find a, a lot of bad deals before you find a good deal like that. Yeah. I love how you highlight that even, even doing a mediocre deal, you know, when you bought your first one, you weren't necessarily trying to make a huge cash flow play, right? Like you were just trying to have a vacation home that covered its own expenses, but but you learn something from that. And so, you know, it's not to say do a bad deal. That's not what I'm saying. Like the deal should always cash flow. But if you've already found yourself in a situation where maybe you, you know, aren't cash flowing, maybe just look at focus on the lessons that you have learned from that opportunity in spite of the fact that it's not cash flowing. And what can you do next? You know, what did exactly. you learn? What are you doing next? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love it too, Kim, because uh, same, I, I tell my, a lot of my students, the same advice as just exactly what you said, because, and we even had this on an accountability call last night with one of the, our group members. Um, the best deals are sometimes the deals that are not the best income, but sometimes the best deals are also the deals that you never get to fully do because they're the most that allows you to grow. Mm -hmm. So like having that opportunity to get into something that may not be the forever spot that you're going to be in, it just allows for so much growth for yourself, for your business. Um, and it's a lot easier to get in and get out of those mistakes in a small deal like those than it is in a larger property um, when you're first starting out. So I 100% agree. Like, get it in, get it done, learn it, and move on <laughs> And <laughs> in the beginning. <laughs> and I think we're programmed to think super long term. Uh, you can only typically have one W-2 job at a time. You, most people try to find the one and marry them. And so I think it can feel weird to, uh, I say to, I joke with Dave that with co-hosting, we're going to like date, marry, divorce, dump a lot of clients <laughs> over the yeah. over time. And that's okay. And even um, we've had some recent uh, churn and some of it was we reevaluated our business said, we're not, don't have any other properties in this market. We're really doubling down in this market. 
And given a bunch of other factors, we think we're not the right fit for you, but we want to find you the best opportunity, next opportunity. If you want to self-manage, if you want a different manager, we have other co-host co-hosts in our mastermind that might take this opportunity, or you might want to explore midterm rental, but we're here to be solution oriented for you. And because we handled that, I think very professionally and tactfully, it went really well as a transition. So I think that Again, going back to the abundance and scarcity mindset, my husband being this the sales guy and me being the operations and strategy person, um, he was a little reluctant. He's like, oh no, I, I want to keep this property or these properties. And uh, when I lay it out that way and say it's taking up, it was we learned from it, but it's also now taking up the opportunity cost of another property that more fits our bill. So why would we want to, to do that? Let's free up those spots with our team and our virtual assistants because it might make room for a property that makes double that and is in a market that is more of our sweet spot. And when I framed it that way, he said, oh, you're right. That's that's right. And so I think just getting over that hump that it, not every single co-host and client or business client is going to be a marriage that you stay with for 20 years. That's okay. You're going to have short-term, mid-term, long-term clients. And that's just par for the course. So we still try to handle all of those transitions and ups and downs with integrity and you know staying true to our core values and, and just you know how, taking a high road in all these things and thinking, what's best for them, what's best for us, how do we handle this situation tactfully? Because you can have big emotions and, and you can get the, the best out of people in hospitality, both guests and owners, but you can also see the worst come out as people are stressed because they made a bad deal or they have another um, big expense for the, the house and they, we've already sunk so much money into it. So I'm trying to handle all that with grace and then staying true to our core values so that those continue to um, precede us in our reputation as more and more people interact with us in this space. Because this space isn't too, isn't huge. It's not ginormous. You, you, we already know a lot of the big players in such a short amount of time. Yeah. Uh, I love, and I love that Kim, that, uh, I always try, I try, I say this mainly to family, but, and I heard it, I can't remember where I heard it from, but like, I also tell Kai when we have those same conversations about what properties to take on. And like, currently, like we were, we're kind of in a point where we don't want a lot of like fast growth right now, just because of the season that we're in with the boutique hotel and everything. It's just like, we can't, we don't want to overstretch ourselves. Right. But like when we come down to evaluating clients, it's like, we need to decide, is this person here for a season, a reason or a lifetime? And like, what part did they fit into? And, and so like that, that's how, like I always put it, like they're either going to be here for a season, they're here for a reason to impact me, or they're going to be here for a lifetime. And normally, you know, those people fall into seasons or reasons and it's, ultimately falls down to exactly what I said. Do they align with what you're going for? And if they don't align, then it's time to mm -hmm. move on. Yeah. So I love that. Um, well, Kim, we want to be respectful of your time. So before we ask our last question, can you please tell all of our listeners how they can find you? And um, yeah, just let them know where they can get your upcoming book and your previous book. Yeah. So um, the best way to find me is on Instagram. So at Kim Menapace. Uh, so K-I-M-M-E-N-A-P-A-C-E. -E. And so if right there, I have a link tree with all the information for the book for our website. So our website is the five star cohost.com, but with no A. So it's the five STR cohost basically, um, because all the other domains were taken, but, but you can find it just by going to my Instagram. I try to make that a hub to find all the other materials and messaging me through there is also going to get me uh, make be very accessible. Awesome. Well, thank you, Kim. Um, our, it's been amazing having you on, by the way. 
Um, our last question for you is what is the most exciting thing you have done on your investing journey? I think getting started, I, I think um, when I reflect back on getting that house and knowing in my gut, it was the right thing to do down to my core. I just, I look at the photo of us on closing day with my big pregnant belly and the beaming smile on my face, because I was just so confident and sure it was the right move. And when we bought our primary house a couple of years earlier, I definitely had apprehension and was a little scared because it was the first time buying a house ever. And I was just a little nervous about it. And so I just look at how night and day those are. And I think that the mountain house was a little bit of a stretch and for us. And we, as I said, it's, a, it's there for a reason. It's teaching us a lesson and um, it's a stepping stone to a lot of other places and things that we're doing. Um, so, but I think just getting started, it's been so amazing to have our fifth uh, vacation there this summer, which was unreal with both of our kids. And so we look forward to years and years and decades and decades of memories, but um, it just totally pivoted our journey after that as and a career change for my husband, more properties, more businesses, and just more, uh, more exciting things to come in the in the years to come and even months to come. It feels like every month, there's so much movement and momentum and more lovely people like you we get to meet. So that's just been uh, incredibly rewarding for us. Awesome. I love that. Getting started. That's the most exciting part. I love it. Yep. Well, thank you, Kim. We appreciate you. Um, and I know that you added a lot of value to our listeners today. So uh, go find Kim Menapace, follow her and her husband, Dave. They have a great journey. And like, like she said, like a lot of exciting things to come. So uh, Kim, we'll have to catch up with you guys in a few months and see how much you guys have grown. Um, cause you know, we, we're in touch with you guys weekly, but, um, just share with our listeners what you guys have done in the next couple months. Absolutely. Thank, thank you for you having so me. Thank you so much for being here. Yes. Thank you. All right. Bye guys. Bye.